Welcome to Weekdays with Jesus. Today's message from Don Ray is about building up the body of Christ. Well, we're drawing near, as I said, the end of our 1 Corinthians series. Today we're on chapter 14, the Apostles Paul, Apostle Paul's word there. And as I said, in this morning's text, he links together two topics he's talked about in chapter 12 and 13, spiritual gifts uh, and love. And it's a timeless message for us as God's people at St. Paul's today. You know, the longer we spend here in 1 Corinthians, uh, the more, especially as one who's in the scriptures each week for us, Paul's messages are so straightforward. And so mine have been also, but I guess this is sometimes how God's word works. But it's an important question for us today. Even if the text is straightforward, Lord, what would you have us learn today? What would you have us take away and apply in our life as your people? So let's pray. Good and gracious God, that is our prayer. Number one, that you would open our minds to understand your scriptures. And as we hear and receive Paul's very direct and simple teaching, we pray, Lord, that you would help us to receive it joyfully that you would help us to see in our daily lives, Lord, how you want us to apply this text, not simply to hear it passively, but to receive it and put it into practice. Bless us, Lord, with ears to hear, and then as we go forth today with eyes to see how you want us to carry forth your word through the Apostle Paul. Bless us and guide us now, Jesus, in your name we pray, amen. Well, as we know from our previous weeks, the Corinthians on the whole were a people who were truly blessed by God. Uh, They were wealthy, they were in many cases well-educated, they had a great degree of societal influence, but we also know a running theme in Paul's letter to them is the issue of pride and selfishness. They were tempted to boast in those gifts. And in some cases, the Corinthians were gifted, but were using their gifts to deepen their own spirituality. We could say it this way, that the aim of some of the Corinthians was a spiritual experience versus spiritual edification. And you see the difference. Some of the members were using their gifts for their own benefit and spiritual pleasure rather than serving with gifts that would help build up other people and experience versus edifying other people. And the specific topic that Paul's bringing up here is the gift, quote unquote, gift of tongues, which enabled them, enabled whoever had that gift to speak in a personal prayer language with God. Uh, Some Christians today still claim uh, this gift. It's especially common or especially uh, high on the list of desired spiritual gifts in Pentecostal and Assemblies of God churches. Uh, I don't have that gift. I've not met anyone who does, but it was evidently a gift uh, in 1 Corinthians in Paul's day. But the trouble was that the people who spoke in tongues were the only ones who could understand what they were praying, other than God himself. The gift, so the gift might help them in their own prayerful devotion to the Lord, but it wasn't going to do anything for anybody else. I have had pastor friends who have known others who have had that gift and and heard it exercised in prayer circles or in in, uh, house church meetings, if you will, and 
I've just been told it sounds like an incomprehensible language that no one can make any sense of, but evidently if that person's exercising that gift, it's some kind of special connection with the Lord and just uh, incomprehensible prayer language. So again, it only helps the person doing it, not others. Maybe you could say, uh, this might be a goofy analogy, but um, we might imagine the gift of tongues is a bit like uh, the gift and blessing of sitting out on the beach in the summertime, right? Uh, to get a tan, right? Good for you, go for it. Take in, take in the rays, take in the, the relaxation, soak in the vitamin D. It's not a bad thing in moderation, but we can't go around pretending that sun tanning helps anybody else, right? If we wanna be out in the sun, it might be more profitable to do so while we're also helping people, if that analogy is helpful. So that brings up a pointed question then, especially if you were, if you were a hearer in Paul's day that had this gift, and he's, he's giving instruction here, it kind of implies a question, why are we here? You know, why are we here? Not necessarily, why are we here in worship, but, but why has God called us and gifted us variously? It's kind of a question that Paul has been trying to answer for the Corinthians in the last couple of chapters. Why, and for us here too, as God's people at St. Paul's, why has God gifted us variously as people in his church? Are we here to just have some kind of grand religious experience and you know, feel good, feel moved by the Spirit? Or are we here more so to edify and build up others, right? Experience, personal experience versus edifying other people. So for what reasons are we here? It was a question Paul was addressing continually. As for Jesus, who is the Word of God, we very clearly see why he has come. And he is the one, scripture tells us, he is the one who edifies his church. If you follow along in the sermon notes, that's a point for you. It's pretty clear that's why Jesus has come, is to not build himself up, right? And he even says, my kingdom is not of this world. Right? He had so many early followers that were eager for him to be an earthly king, to be a powerful military and political ruler. But Jesus is saying, my kingdom is not of this world. I'm not here to build myself up in that regard. He came to build up his church and to do so on the rock-solid foundation of the word of God. Let's listen to a couple of passages here. Just hear the word. Matthew 16 is one. Acts 20 is one. Uh, 1 Peter 2 is one. And before I read these, let me just pause and say this. I, uh, just the other day, uh, if you're on Facebook, I know Facebook is just for old people. I guess I'm an old person then officially. I don't care. Uh, I just joined an LCMS uh, group on Facebook. And there's about 5,000 people in the group. Maybe some of you are, are part of it. Uh, it's just for members, pastors to come in and encourage and share and ask for prayer requests. And there was a gentleman last night who, I don't know him, I don't know where he lives, but he had basically said in so many words, I really like the people at church, but I'm out. I'm gonna kind of stop coming. He was basically saying that things uh, had become stale for him. And his life had reached kind of a stale mate. You know, you could almost see in, in what he was saying in the comments and others that, you know, he wasn't in a valley of despair, but he also wasn't having a mountaintop experience. And sometimes if we just kind of live in that comfortable middle, 
things can feel a bit stale, and you think, gosh, why do I keep coming? You know, why, do I, why am I in worship? Nothing grand is happening when I come. And someone responded to his post. I thought it was helpful. They said that, you know, sometimes being in worship and hearing the Word of God, being in church, is like soaking in a nice hot shower. Just stand there and let the Word of God wash over you. That was a helpful picture. You're not necessarily doing anything active, but just let the Word of God wash over you. Hear the Word, and it's doing more than you realize as you listen. So as we listen to these passages today, let's just let it wash over us. Matthew 16, this is about building up the church. We know this passage. Jesus came into the district of Caesarea Philippi. He asked his disciples, this is Matthew 16, verse 15, who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered, remember his answer? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered him and said, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven, and here's the passage, verse 18, I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. That is the solid foundation of us as church, as God's people, is that Jesus is the Christ, and he's building us up in that. The Apostle Paul tells the same thing to the Ephesian elders. This is in Acts 20. He exhorts them in love. He says, now I commend you to God and the word of his grace, which is able to build you up and give you the inheritance among all who are sanctified. God's word builds us up. And Peter says the same thing. First Peter 2, verse 4. As you come to the Lord, you yourselves are like living stones being built up as a spiritual house by the word of God. So again, as we think about why Jesus has come, why Jesus is here, he's come to build us up. He's come to edify others. He doesn't simply talk or blather as if to hear himself talk, as we might imagine some of the Corinthians were doing. They were using their spiritual gift of tongues as a boastful show of, look how spiritual I am, listen to me blather, when no one could understand them. But God speaks to us through his word to build others up. Think about this, my friends. God has no reason for anything else other than himself. He's complete, right? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, they are in a complete, cohesive relationship. He is perfect, he is whole, and he has no reason to do anything for himself. So we can say it this way, anything and everything that God does is always for the sake of the other. Are you tracking with me on that? God is complete in the person and work of Jesus Christ, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the end. So anything that God does is for the sake of us, for the sake of others, not for his own sake directly, right? Jesus, the cross, he didn't do that for himself. He did that for you. Luther uses a Latin phrase, pro me, for me. Jesus is for you. God is for you. That's a profession of faith. When we're going through challenging times in our lives, we can feel like God might be against us, but Paul says no. God is always for you, and through Jesus Christ, he's always with you. He's pouring himself out for you. He didn't do that for himself. He did it for you. Remember last week, again, if we tie back to Paul's writings in 12 and 13 on love, 
Remember we talked last week, God is love, and today we can say, and love edifies, love builds up. This is what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 8.1, and love, a, a building up kind of love is always going to build up the other person. True Christian love, Christ-centered love, is always going to build up the other. It's never going to build up necessarily the self. We talked in Bible study today a little bit about how when we serve others, we ourselves are blessed and refreshed. That's true also. But the primary motivation for Christian love is not what I'm going to get out of it. It's what this person needs. It's what this person needs in Christ. And think about this too. You and I, when we are beloved in Christ Jesus, we have everything fundamentally that we need. Amen? We might feel like our 401ks are taking a dip. We might feel like there's less food in the fridge or less opportunity to do a vacation or whatever, or maybe we have to move into a smaller place to make a mortgage payment work. You know, there are times that squeeze us. But even if all of that went away and we only had faith and life in Jesus Christ, would that be enough? Yes, it would be. And so you are, and, and me, we are in that regard full and complete in Christ Jesus. We have ultimately no need of anything else. We are full because his full life lives in us. And so therefore, we can love other people freely. John says this, he says, we love because he first, that is Jesus, we love because Jesus first loved us. So because Jesus loves us, fills us with his love, and lives in us completely, we can now go forth and use our gifts to serve others in love as well. And if as we strive to build others up with the word of God in Christ Jesus, and they reject us, we're still okay. Why? because we still have everything we need, which is Jesus. And if we gain nothing in return for serving others in love, we still have everything we need because we have Jesus, do you see? We are full and complete, and so that frees us up to serve others in love. We need not fear or expect anything in return. And this is why Paul then says in 1 Corinthians 14, pursue love, pursue love, and he also says, strive to excel in building up the church. That ought to be our aim as well. He tells the Corinthians in verse 12, he says, I know you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit. He says, I know you're eager to see all these different spiritual gifts at work among you, especially the people that were speaking tongues. He says, I know that you want to see that. If you really want to see God's spiritual gifts in action, build up the church, because then grace and faith and gifts of the Spirit will multiply exponentially as more people come to faith in Jesus Christ, as more people are baptized in Christ, as more people grow in Christ, then you will see them blessed with spiritual gifts that beget other people with spiritual gifts. It's disciples making disciples making disciples. It's exponential, much more so than just me blathering in my spiritual prayer language, you see. He's saying, use your gifts to multiply the kingdom. And for us, too, whatever our gifts might be, whatever our gifts might be, sometimes when you serve others, they say, why are you doing this? That's a perfect opportunity, is it not, to say, I'm doing it because Jesus Christ loves me, and I love you. 
Not perfectly as Jesus does, but because God dwells in me and his love dwells in me, I'm doing this out of love for you. Other people have served me over the years in love, and now I'm serving you in love as God loves us both. I'm not here for my own benefit and gain, but for yours. That can be a very simple way to witness when people ask us why we're serving or to tell them why we're serving. But regardless of what we do, by the grace of God and Jesus Christ, let it always be done to build others up. That is what Paul is saying. We're not here primarily for a spiritual experience, although that can be part of it, but we're here primarily to edify others spiritually, to build others up spiritually. And as we do that, God through us will build up his church on the rock solid foundation of Jesus Christ. Amen. Well, we're gonna wrap up today's podcast with a song written by Laura Marriott, Brandon Dempsey, and Holland Davis. Laura and I are in a monthly online songwriting group. She is a Christian recording artist and director of worship at her church in Palm Springs, California. Check out more of her music at YouTube and Spotify and her website. You can find those links on the podcast show notes for today. Well, I invited Laura to join us here on the podcast. And so, Laura, before we hear you sing, could you tell us about your song? Sure, Kevin, I'd be happy to. My co-writers and I, we decided that we wanted to write a song that uh, people who are suffering, who are going through very difficult times, could actually take and own and sing out to God, trusting in God, trusting in His purposes, trusting that God would be constant in their lives, hear their cries, and come to their rescue. We wrote it when there were fires in Napa Valley and floods in Dallas, Texas, and people were just not sure what to do and very anxious and they lost everything lives were lost and uh, there was just a lot of anxiety in the world and so we wanted to bring hope through this song Fear be